Hey everyone, I'm Kevin Wallace from Redemption to the Nation's Church, and I'm grateful that we are going to have this opportunity to bring this message of hope, healing, and restoration to you and your family today. I want you to stay with me till the end. I'm going to come back and pray. Be blessed by the word of the Lord. How many love him? I said, how many love Jesus? I don't have a sermon today. I, I want to bring something to you that I felt like God, you know, you have these moments when you're doing something in the natural that God has a spiritual application in mind for. And uh, this past week, my son, my oldest son, Jeremiah, who is 21 years old, was recently married on this past weekend. Hey, come on. And uh, they are on their honeymoon and we are praying for the Lord to keep them. But I was marrying him and was privileged to do his ceremony. And when I looked at him and his wife, his bride, Michelle was standing there near him. Uh, I had some spiritual flashback and uh, was remembering what I've been feeling in the last several months regarding the church, the people of God, the universal church of the Lord. The bridegroom is coming and the bride must be ready. And I wanna take this little passage here in Isaiah 61, just for a few moments, I felt like God wanted me to articulate even some things that you may be feeling in our church. And is, you know, what is this little, it feels like there's just a, 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 an open heaven, a, a, a something fresh and new is happening. Worship is taking longer now and we're taking more time in praise and in, we're not having to, to have so much orchestrated music. There's a lot of singing going on in the building and voices being raised. And some people love that. And some people wonder what in the world is going on. Nobody's doing my worship for me. But he's getting his bride ready. And one of the things that he's doing in this hour, he's taking us away from an addiction and a dependency upon a stage. And he's looking for a people who are hungry for his presence and dedicated to worshiping him. I want you to look at Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Lord, verse one, is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He sent me to bind up and heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to captive people and the opening of prison to those who are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy, I feel that oil in this room. The oil of joy for mourning. And the, this is it here. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That they may be called trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord. That he may be glorified. And I want to talk about this thing of the garment of praise for a few minutes. 
because I do not believe scripture anywhere teaches that Jesus will come back for a bride that is a defeated, broke down, beat up, emaciated, barely surviving kind of bride. Jude said he's coming back after a people who are radiant. And I believe today God wants us to understand something about what he's doing. This will not be sermonic. I don't have a polished delivery. I need to get off my heart what I felt like God showed me in the spirit regarding what he's doing in the earth in this hour. How many want to be in the middle of what God is doing in this hour? So God help me today. Instruct us in the way of righteousness. Lead us in paths of understanding. Put us beside pastures that are green and waters that are still and feed us till we won't no more. You are the good shepherd and you are the bishop of our souls. And today, God, where would we go but to you? For you have the words of eternal life. Like Peter, we have no other resort. There's nowhere else to run to. You are everything to us. And today we want to hear your voice speak and I'm praying Holy Ghost you will articulate what you're doing even in our generation so that we your people may be equipped with wisdom and revelation and not miss the move. In Jesus name and everyone said amen. Look at your neighbor on the way down tell them don't miss the move. As I mentioned to you on Friday night, I was in the middle of my son's wedding ceremony and I'm looking there at my boy and he's with his bride and she has on this beautiful white dress and we are giving and receiving vows and exchanging rings and we take Holy Communion and it's a beautiful moment and somewhere near the end of that ceremony as I serve communion I made a statement that Devin and I had talked about and she said to me marriage and communion are so closely related it is communion that is a reminder of intimacy and the promise that one day we will be the bride to the bridegroom you understand there is a wedding coming we are not just going to go to heaven and sit on pews and listen to our favorite hymns out of our favorite songbook or our favorite quartet sing our favorite song. There's a wedding going to happen. The wedding of the bride and the groom being you, the, the bridegroom and the bride being united is going to happen. There's going to be a spiritual consummation, as it were, where the bride who has been prepared by the father will be presented to the groom and he who betrothed us, we have accepted his offer and invitation of intimacy, and we have declared by drinking the cup of communion, we will give ourselves to no one but you, Lord Jesus. We're being stripped of idols in this moment. Idolatry in the church has run rampant, not just in our generation, but in every generation. And yet, we are told from Scripture that there is a generation that would experience this sort of depth of idolatry and this sort of prevailing darkness that, that, that even those who were the elect would have a challenging time. And yet you and I find ourselves surrounded by so much evil and surrounded by so much darkness and perhaps your soul is 
prone to wonder, will we make it? I want to tell you we will make it. And the secret to making it, the secret to, to enduring through and to the end is intimacy with Jesus. You and I will not make it. We will not survive. We will not simply exist in some existential fashion and keep our Christianity in this hour unless we really enjoy spending time in the presence of the bridegroom himself and giving our heart and our life to no one else but Jesus. He doesn't want weakened lovers. He doesn't want a date on Sunday. He doesn't want fake kisses blown to him during praise and worship on Sunday morning. And then Monday through Saturday, he can't find us in the prayer closet. He can't find us as we spend time with him. This is a day we're living in where idols are being taken away and our eyes are being recast in gaze upon the one who died so that we might have eternal life. I want to say it this way. Uh, There was a church in the book of Revelation the church at Ephesus who had some things going for them but they had lost one thing that was more significant and prevalent than anything that they still had. The Bible said they had lost their first love. I want you to know today that eternity will be the proper reward for those who have loved him on earth, not a surprise for those who can't believe their eyes. It's not like we're going to get to heaven and be like, yo, surprise, I didn't know him on earth, but I made it somehow. Now let me see how to praise him. Oh, no, heaven will be the reward of those who have faithfully kept their heart only for him. You can't have other lovers and claim Jesus as Lord. He is Lord of all or not Lord at all. And we're living in a day and in an hour where idols are being stripped. Why? Because he's looking for a pure bride. The Bible says it like this. The old saints used to preach it, but it's in the Bible. A bride without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. If you had a garment, a wedding garment, and you were getting married, and you found spots and wrinkles and blemishes on that wedding garment, it would make you unfit. That's what he was talking about. It was about someone who thought, I'm on my way to be married, but my garment that I'm in is unfit for the wedding itself. I want to tell you that God is very interested in what kind of spiritual clothes you got on. God is very interested in what you wear and demonstrate. How, how, you know, we got some bougie people in this church. How, how many know we got some people who understand fashion? We got, y'all getting all nervous. We got people who understand uh, what it is to be in fashion. You, 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 you like all this. What, what you wear when you go to an interview? How many know it matters? What you wear when you go to work? How many know it matters? What you wear when you go on your first date? How many know it matters? What you wear when you get married? How many know it matters? Well, what you wear in the spirit matters. And I think sometimes we think God is just sympathetic and willing to overlook what we bring in uh, or what we live in Monday through Sunday and, and God doesn't really care. We're more focused on our building our career, more focused on our life. But I want you to understand God cares about what you're wearing. He cares about what I'm wearing. He cares what kind of spiritual clothing that we have on. And there's something in here in Isaiah that starts talking about garments and I could not get away from this as I looked at Jeremiah and Michelle and I watched them get married this Friday night, past Friday night, I looked at them and I thought she's fit for this moment. She's ready for the groom to take her and make her the bride. She is, she, everyone in the building knew who the bride was. 
everyone in the building knew who the bride was. There was no question who was getting married. And my concern for us in this day and time is that we got people who believe that they're the bride, but they don't know what kind of clothing they got on in the spirit. And I'm telling you right now that God is, he's very, very intentional about presenting a bride to his son, the groom, that is ready for betrothal, that is ready for intimacy, that is ready for eternity. So look at somebody tell them we need to change some clothes. We need to change some clothes. And I'm thankful today to report to you that when it comes time to articulate what kind of clothing that we are to wear, what kind of clothing should the bride have on, what kind of what kind of apparel should she be dressed in, the Bible doesn't leave any question about it. The Bible begins to tell us exactly what kind of garment the king is ready for and worthy of. And he says here in Isaiah 61 verse, three he says the Lord is upon me the spirit of the Lord is upon me and he goes through a number of things that he was anointed to do don't miss this he's anointed to preach recovery of sight to the blind he was anointed who was Jesus to bring freedom for the captive he was anointed to give the oil of joy for those who sit in in ashes of mourning and then we get to this thing that he is anointed to give them the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. I need to preach today that a spirit of heaviness has attempted to attack the people of God and that many have assumed this garment of heaviness, this spirit of heaviness as it were, as if we're going to lay, just live in heaviness all of our life and one day somehow barely make it to heaven with our lip dragging the ground and talking about uh, how hard it was and when I get to heaven I'm going to ask God why I had to go through all that. I'm telling you right now that the groom doesn't want a bride that questions his love or questions his faithfulness or questions his goodness. You got to be able to walk through some stuff that hell tried to kill you with and come out on the other side of it and say I still love Jesus and he's still the best thing that ever happened to me and yes I want some good stuff to happen in my life and yes I'm expecting the best is yet to come but while I'm walking through this valley I'm still betrothed to a king and no matter what hell throws out against me I've made up my mind that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil for my husband is with me and he'll never leave me or forsake me and the Bible teaches us that this garment of praise was given so that people not just have a better feeling but there would be something identifiably different about them and I want to tell you right now, you cannot put on a garment of praise and still look like you got on a spirit of heaviness. I've been looking through this word of God for the last several weeks trying to find a place in the Bible that puts a limit on extravagant praise. I preached this in Cleveland this morning and folk guys, oh listen, and it's ha it happened in Chattanooga too. Whenever you start talking about radical praise, religious people go crazy. 
Michael looked out the window at a dancing king who had taken off his robe and was dancing in a linen ephod and the Bible said she despised him in her heart. There are people in this room who praise and people in this room who judge but you will not be both and I want everyone in this room to understand something today. There is no place in scripture where God ever put a limit and a lid on people who wanted to bless the Lord and praise him with all their heart. I cannot find one scripture between Genesis and Revelation that says sit down chill out, mellow out, calm down, take it off, uh, 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 slow it down. It, it don't take all that. It don't take, uh, you just, just relax a little bit and, and stop being so passionate. I can't find that anywhere in the Bible. In fact, I can't find anywhere in the book of Revelation where we get caught up in eternal worship and all of a sudden somebody says that's too much. Let's slow down. And what I feel like God showed me this past week as I was thinking about the bride preparing for the groom. God began to show me that what's happening in the earth is preparation for this eternal order of worship. I'm gonna make an announcement here. We've screwed up the idea of praise and worship. Where in the word of God do you find a stage? I thought the choir was back there to help me, but I have no help from the choir. I'm not against having a stage. The problem is the stage has become the object. And the people on the stage have become, I'm not talking about our stage, I'm talking about universally. The church has gotten addicted and dependent upon the stage. And when we look into eternal worship and divine worship in Revelation, we don't see this model of worship happening that we see so prevalently in the church. And, and I don't know if you've called it or not in the last, I don't know, last month and a half, here on this campus, there's been a shift even in our praise. And it's not just in our church, it's happening all over, like Asbury, like Lee University, like some churches and some places where things are breaking out of what we used to call order. It's really, we're coming into a revelation now that most of the time, what we called order in the church was really control freaks. And we got nervous preachers that things are gonna get, that thinks things are gonna get out of hand. And oh no, we're gonna have some wildfire. Jack, let me tell you something. We've had no fire for so long. I'll take some wildfire and I'll, I'll pastor wild. And I begin to see what's happening in our generation is preparation. Think about. Let me teach here. Think about how worship, quote, unquote, worship and praise has changed over the last 40 years. Even in my 43 years of living when I was a boy and what I see in worship now is very different. How many can say that? It's different. What is the change going on? I'll tell you what's happening. There is this progressive understanding and revelation of worship that is being unlocked in a Davidic generation. You mean to tell me, Pastor, we can actually get more and more biblical as we approach the coming of the Lord? I'm not just telling you that. I'm telling you that's what the Bible teaches. 
There is a people who will come into a greater understanding of what praise and worship really are and they will distance themselves from the things. Do you know how much we believe that is not even in your Bible? Rick and I talked about, Pastor Rick and I talked about this on the way up. How many have ever heard people say dance in the spirit? Lift your hand. Look, have you ever heard church people talk about they're dancing in the spirit? And, and what we mean by that is, what we mean by that is they're not dancing in the flesh. They're dancing in the spirit. But find a place for me in your Bible where dancing in the spirit is even written. Let me help you. You won't find it. Why? Because we say things like dancing in the spirit when we got nervous that people were dancing in uncontrollable ways and they were cutting a rug and nobody ever seen it done like that before and we looked at them and said, they're in the flesh. That ain't the spirit. Well, dancing is dancing. It doesn't matter if it's, listen to me. The Bible said David danced before the Lord with all his might. It doesn't say the Holy Ghost picked his foot up and put it down and picked the other one up and put it down. It said David saw the presence of God coming and he said, let me take this robe off. Let me get rid of this robe real quick. I need to dance in the presence of the Lord. No, God didn't make him dance. If God would have made him dance, it wouldn't have been worship. If God would have made him dance it wouldn't have been praise praise is not what God makes me do for him praise is what I do for him when I take a proper evaluation of who he is and say that is the lover of my soul I'm gonna give him something I don't give anybody else where you been Julian There's a war going on over the garment the church will wear. There are only two options. One leads to heaviness and one leads to breakthrough. One leads to depression and one leads to victory. I feel like preaching here. One leads to miracles and one leads to defeat. I'm telling you today, we're getting ready to meet the bridegroom and the bride is not gonna cross the finish line talking about how hard it's been with her lip dragging the ground. The bride is going to cross the finish line with a garment on and all of heaven is gonna say, that is the bride. They went through hell, but they kept their hallelujah. They went through a mess, but they kept their hands lifted. They didn't wait on a feeling. They entered his gates with thanksgiving, and they came into his courts with praise. There's a scripture over in Samuel. I believe it's 2 Samuel 5. It just came to me here. I know the scripture's there. I can't remember the address for sure, but it says this that there was a battle between the house of Saul and the house of David for many days. That's where the church is. Are we going to be the house of Saul or are we going to be the house of David? I can't get no help here. Do you understand that when Jesus rebuilt his favorite temple from the Old Testament in the New Testament, I've been preaching this in, in Cleveland the last three weeks, it was the tent of David. Say the tent of David. 
It was not the tabernacle of Moses. It was not the temple of Solomon. When Jesus rebuilt his favorite house in the New Testament from the old, he went back and got the tent of David. Why in the world would you go get the tent of David? Moses' tabernacle was much more majestic. Solomon's temple was much more grandiose. But when God got ready to rebuild his favorite place from the Old Testament in the New Testament, he didn't get Moses' tabernacle that was full of death and sacrifice and uh, very solemn faces and blood everywhere and nastiness everywhere. Oh no, when he went and rebuilt it, it wasn't Solomon's temple that was decked out in gold and silver and was majestic for the eye to see. Oh no, when he went and he rebuilt his favorite house that was in the Old Testament and he built it up in the New Testament, he went back to a prophet named Amos 900 years before Acts 15 who said there will come a day when the tent of David is rebuilt and God is going to draw people from every walk of life, every nation, every tribe, every tongue, even the Gentiles will come. And when the Holy Ghost was being poured out in Acts 15 and everybody wanted to know what is going on, James the Lesser walks to the pulpit and he said, this is a fulfillment of Amos' prophecy that in the last day, God would rebuild the torn down tabernacle of David. I want to announce to you that the blueprint for the church in this hour is a blueprint that will get the bride ready for the return of the Lord and that blueprint is not a dead stoic church with a bunch of mummies and wooden Indians looking at each other sitting there wondering who's going to break the ice. The ice has already been broken. The lid has already been tore off. Put on a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. Praise. Somebody say praise. A garment of praise. Praise is important. Praise is not an emotion, although it can get emotional. People who praise God often get judged as being shallow. But let me be shallow. Yeah, that's all right. Count me among the shallow ones. David was a leader of a whole nation and got crazy before the presence of the Lord in praise. Danced so much that he jumped out of his robe and got in a garment of praise and his crazy wife looked out the window and said, how foolish. Danced like that in front of all the handmaidens of Israel and what she didn't know is that he was not dancing for the women of Israel. God, I feel like preaching. He was dancing for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Some of us get nervous sometimes when people take off dancing and shouting and singing in the spirit and we think, oh, the people don't like that. We don't care if the people don't like that. I'm not doing that for the people. I'm doing that because I'm a bride getting ready to be hooked up with my groom and I want him to know how much I love him. I want him to know how much I want to be with him. I want him to know he's the best thing that ever happened to me. David was so real about this praise thing. The scripture tells us he hired 4,000 musicians. 4,000 full-time musicians plus 4,000 full-time gatekeepers. 288 singers and all of the worshipers came from 
24 different families, 24 different elders from 24 different clans were responsible for leading worship. 24, 24, 24, 24. I thought I read in Revelation that 24 elders, I feel like teaching here, cast their crowns and fell down with the beast and they worshiped and gave glory to the lamb who was upon the throne. What are you telling me? I'm telling you that what John the Revelator showed us in Revelation 4, 5, and 6, David had already looked into this thing and this Davidic worship that is birthed in the old covenant is really a model and a paradigm that comes from a divine eternal worship order that is already happening in heaven. David hired 8,500 people who were responsible for praise. If he paid them all $30,000 a year, he spent $255 million a year out of his own pocket. If he did that for 33 years, he spent $8.4 billion. $8.4 billion invested on the sound of worship surrounding the Ark of the Covenant. Whew. Well, why do we sing? Why do we do this, all this stuff and stuff and whatever? He's getting us ready. I'm gonna blow your mind. I'm already closing here, but heaven ain't gonna look like this. I don't even know that there'll be pews. In fact, that's why we call them pews. If you sit there long enough, it gets stinky. <laughs> Won't be no pews in heaven. Won't be no song requests. Can we sing my favorite? Nope, can't sing your favorite song. <laughs> Can you tell them to sit down? Nope, because you don't know what they came through to get to the throne. I want to tell you this today. There is a shift happening in the earth. I speak prophetically now. You're about to see a shift of ages. A generational shift is coming. The sound coming from the church is about to change. It is about to look less churchy and much more Davidic and organic in demonstration. It's about to be more about the sound coming from you than the one coming from us on the stage. Well, I'm not comfortable with that. I know that's why he's making the change. Because you and I better get ready for divine worship, heavenly worship, Davidic worship. I said Davidic worship. Do you understand that the order of David will be the order of the day in eternity? There's a reason why Jesus rebuilt the temple of David in Acts 15. It's his favorite kind of house. 24 hours a day, I'm almost through here, seven days a week, 365 days a year, they circled the Ark of the Covenant, danced before it, and sang songs of worship. Do you know that the book of Psalms not all, but the majority, the large majority of the book of Psalms were written from people who were hovering and 
close to the Ark of the Covenant, Asaph would be there looking at the presence of the Lord and the song would rise up of praise. And he started write, he started singing it and people started writing it. And then they would take the words and they would deliver the words that Asaph created and the song God gave him. And they would take it to the chief musician. They would put music with the words and it became a song. So when it says enter his gates with thanksgiving, come into his courts with praise, praise God in the sanctuary, praise him in the firmament of his power, praise him on the cymbal, praise him on the high sounding cymbal, praise him on the timbrel and the harp and the lyre, praise him on the flute and the trumpet and play, pray. Do you understand when David's writing all that and everybody's writing, they're writing it in the presence of the Lord. Do you know that David invented, history believes that David invented over 2,000 instruments. He heard a sound in his spirit that he had to make happen in the earth. That's how we got some instruments that we got. He was hearing angelic heavenly worship and said, I don't hear nothing like that on earth. And God said, that's why I put it in your spirit, David. Now I want you to go manufacture and make the sound you heard and begin to release it in the earth. Listen to me, family. We are getting away from this simple observation style of worship. This is not Pigeon Forge. You did not pay a ticket to watch a show. He's getting the bride ready for the groom. And some of us in this room today have a spirit of heaviness on us. I'm not condemning you, I've been there. But heaviness is not your portion. I said heaviness is not your portion. You're the bride of Christ. I want you to prepare your heart for the shift that is coming to your generation. And let me tell you this, if you think for one moment, well, I'm going to go to another place where it's not so wild. I pray God turn every church upside down so that the religious have no refuge. I pray every church you go to looking for some dead quiet thing turns into an explosion and an eruption of glory and worship and praise and hallelujahs and hands lifted and tears flowing. I pray it turns into Tehillah praise where you begin to sing songs that were not on a screen and you begin to dance before the Lord and he don't even have to move your feet. You just decided he's the king and he's worthy and I'm gonna give him my best. I'm teaching this today, stand with me, I'm through. I told you it's not a sermon, I ain't come to move you. I came to prepare you so you don't miss the move. There's a shift happening. The spirit of heaviness is coming off of the church. Not just our church, but churches. The fear of man will keep you bound. Some of us are more afraid what our neighbor thinks about us or the person behind us thinks about us. You know, if I lift my hands, they're gonna think I'm funny. We already, they already talk about you. Look at your neighbor, tell them I'm getting ready. I'm getting married. 
I'm getting married. Tell him, I'm getting married. I'm getting married. And I'm not marrying you. I'm marrying him. So why in the world am I trying to look good for you? I want to look good for him. I'm, I'm changing my clothes today. I'm changing my clothes today. I'm not living the rest of my life in heaviness. I'm not living the rest of my life in religion. I'm not walking into church thinking about what people think about me. I walk into church and I have an audience of one. If Tobin never sings a note, if JoJo never sings a song, if the band can't play and the music breaks down, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. I will enter his courts with praise. He's been too good to me. I'm not just going to date him on the weekend. I'm going to marry him for eternity. I'm going to bless him all the days of my life. One day I'll praise him so much in this broke down body that it won't do anymore. So this mortal will put on immortality. This flesh will put on spirit. This corruption will put on incorruption and forever and ever I'll be able to praise him with the angels. I'll never get tired. I'll never lose my voice. I'll never get weary. I'll be able to bless him and fall down and cast my crown at his feet and say worthy 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 somebody just begin to shout one He, he is going to have his bride. She's going to be ignited, united with the groom and ignited by the groom. United with the groom. And I think we just need to say before we leave today, Lord, I'm, I'm casting off spirits of heaviness. And I'm putting on garments of praise. Garments of praise. Garments of praise. And I'm talking to people who've always praised him and people who've never been comfortable praising him because you've been worried about, I've never done it this way before. I'm telling you, there's a reason why you've never done it this way before. Religion never showed us that's how it's supposed to be done. Church was always about the man on the stage with the mic in his hand and the singers doing our singing and the prayers doing our praying. And what I'm trying to tell you is the groom is coming for the bride and he doesn't want a, a, a people who've been entertained. He wants a people who've been redeemed and they're not afraid to say what he's done for them. So I want to go ahead and tell you, it might mean Sunday's a little longer. Might mean we don't get to preach until afternoon. Might mean we don't get to preaching. I just want the king to be known and worshiped and the people prepared the groom lift your hands right now let me just pray for you I want to pray for this house help us make transitions Lord we don't like change we resist it we get nervous about it but you are sending a spirit of wisdom and revelation to our generation that is in keeping with your word you are uncovering what do you have longed for your bride to be? You're putting the finishing touches on her. You're getting ready for heaven. You're getting her ready for heaven. You're getting us ready for eternity. Lord, I pray 
that you will establish an order of worship even in our hearts that is after your heart. One that is after the order of David, the Davidic worship that you have prescribed. Not the Mosaic worship with, yes, thank you, Lord. You know why it wasn't Moses' tabernacle? Because Moses' tabernacle was that sacrificial system that was solemn and staunch and very religious. But when you flip over to David's tent, it's not that there was no sacrifice. It's just that the sacrifice was given by the people. Hebrews 13, 15 calls it the sacrifice of praise. Do you know what praise keeps you from doing? Praise keeps you and I. Worship keeps you and I from being the one that has to die. Because when you throw your hands up and your ego dies, God said, that's the death I was looking for anyway. It was never about slaying Uzzah. It was about getting the flesh out of the way. Come on, somebody. And when you praise him, when you praise him, when you praise him, when you worship him, when you worship him, when you worship him, yeah, your flesh don't want to do it. Oh, but when, you, when your soul commands your flesh to line up, when your soul tells your spirit, when your spirit tells your flesh, be quiet. Uh-huh, you told me not to praise him, but when I think about the Lord and all that God has done for me the response that is due his name is a sacrifice of praise what about my friends on the other side of the church what are they going to look at me and think about me when I dance oh I don't know but who cares they weren't there the night the Lord saved me they weren't there the night the Lord healed me they weren't there the night the Lord rescued me I didn't come I feel somebody putting on a garment of praise I feel somebody putting it on right now I feel somebody taking off a spirit of heaviness and I feel somebody putting on a garment of praise in fact slap three people real quick and tell your neighbor shake off the spirit of heaviness tell them take it off right now take off the spirit of heaviness you've been bound up too long you've been quiet too long you've been silent too long you've been depressed too long you've been hurting on the inside Put on a garment of praise. Put it on right now. Put it on right now. I know it's 12.30 on Sunday afternoon, but somebody need to put on a garment. Somebody ought to put on a garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness. If your life is falling apart, you're still the bride. If hell tried to steal your joy, you're still the bride. If the devil told you you'll never be anything, you're still the bride. And if you're the bride, praise the groom. Give him glory. Look at your neighbor, tell him no more heaviness. No more heaviness. You're the bride of Christ. You're not the bride of heaviness. You're not married to a spirit of depression. We're going to spend eternity with the king of glory. We're going to circle the throne and cry holy. Somebody do it right now and give him glory. Yes. 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 Yes! Praise him like you've been wanting to praise him. Praise him like you feel like praising him. Praise him like you know he's worthy of the praise. Praise! Let everything that has breath. 
to be a spillover praise where you don't wait on me to give you a command. Let the praise erupt up out of your thankful spirit. Give him glory. Hallelujah. I need some people on the back row, people on the front row, and everybody in the middle to shift an atmosphere and give God your best. close God did not make David dance and God will not make me praise and God will not make you praise 
but he will accept your praise as a pleasing sacrifice. We don't kill animals anymore in the church. We kill the flesh. And when my flesh rises up and says, ah, you don't want to do that, people will say something. I always err on the side of excess praise. I'd rather give him something and uh, it surprise him than to keep and hold my peace while the right rocks cry out in my place. We're moving home, but look at somebody tell them, ain't gonna let no rock. Come on and tell your neighbor, say, ain't gonna let no rock cry out in my place. Ain't gonna let no rock. Ain't gonna let no rock. Somebody who wants to give him a Shabbat, wind up and give him the best shot you get. hands up all over this room right now throw those hands up all over this room surrender is the key surrender him to him everything it is the key that begins to unlock the door of heaven over your life the fear of man is broken off of you now I said the fear of man is broken off of you now you're not going to live worrying about what religious Michaels, like David's wife, religious Michaels will say about your worship. Who cares? You are getting married. You are getting married to the Lamb. You are getting married. You are not, you are not marrying the church or your neighbor or your member down the road. You are getting married to Jesus. Hands up all over this room in surrender. Holy Spirit. Make us the people you want us to be. Make this the house you want to come to. We're not trying to create a brand or a style. We want to build this house after the blueprint of heaven. You're coming for a bride and the church has been dead and dry in her worship and a spirit of religion has stolen her voice and they've hung their harps on willows, trees and they've stopped singing. The Holy Ghost says, I'm about to bring them out of retirement. 
and they're going to get their willow, they're going to get their harp off the willow tree and they're going to begin to make sounds of worship again. Worship Worship him. You're going to be free again. You're going to be free again to sing out loud, even if it's off key, because the audience is not your neighbor looking at you funny. The audience is the king. The stage will no longer become the object of your gaze and affection. It will be the king and the throne. Have your way, God. For there is a sound, says the Spirit of the Lord of the angels, crossing the top of mulberry trees. This is the hour to advance, says the Spirit of grace. For there is a sound coming in the earth. And I, I say to the church that the angelic forces will move with you as you move with this sound. And as you worship and as you praise, you will find yourself on the battlefield in victorious moments. And you will know that it is the Lord who has given you the victory. For the size of the army coming against you, says the Lord is great, but my spirit is greater. And I have told you in every situation, I will never leave you for I am the Lord of victory, El Jabor, the God who is mighty and will give you the, the power to overcome. Only praise me, says the Spirit of grace. Praise is the thing that I am waiting on. And the Spirit of God said, as you praise me, it will prophesy your victory. As you praise me, it will declare the defeat of your enemy. As you praise me, I will go before you, says the Spirit of the Lord. For I am in your midst even now, straightening out the crooked and elevating the valley and moving the mountain for your voice has risen and now my spirit will move says the spirit of God and the Lord says I'm going to make an adjustment in the sound of worship and the content of the singing for the words will now bring me glory says the Lord and the Lord says, even the songs and the lyrics will become less about men and more about me, says the Spirit of God. For the Spirit of the Lord said, I am your hope. There is no hope in humanity, but the hope that you need is in me, says the Spirit of grace. And God said, I'm going to begin to touch the hearts of psalmists who will begin to write about my greatness and not just your failure. The Spirit of the Lord said, there is no glory in your failure. Do not magnify your own story, but magnify me and I will send my glory. And my glory will be greater than your story. And people will see my glory resting upon my people. For I am the Lord and beside me there is no other there's a shift coming to the worship there's a shift coming to the content of the worship and the Lord says it's about to become more and more about me and you're about to become more and more victorious as a result of it says the Spirit of God Jesus I worship you Jesus I worship you I'm not prophesying now, I'm telling you though what I feel in my heart. I think we've had enough singing from people who wanted us to know about them. I wanna know about him. And there's about to be a shift in the content and I'm not talking about, I'm talking about universally. Uh, we, I'm not saying we need this adjustment. I'm telling you in the body of Christ, we need an adjustment in our content of what we're singing. Our songs have become so self-oriented. Some songs don't even talk about Jesus anymore. It's about to shift. It's about to shift. 
He's the only hope we have. And I'm going to tell you the last thing I'm going to be through, and I'm going to say this. This thing of you singing songs not on a screen is about to become normal. I preached on David and the Ark of the Covenant last week at Cleveland. Listen to this very carefully. It says that Uzzah and Ahio drove the Ark. Too many people are driving the presence instead of following the presence. I am not called to drive. I'm called to invite, and you and I have to make a decision to go where God is taking us. One more time, lift your hands. I know the hour is late, but you have stayed because you're going to get married to the, gr the groom. Holy Spirit, we give you our hearts and minds and lives. I decree and declare over this place it will be a place full of angelic hosts because it will be a place full of praise, glory, and worship. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, David made sure the presence of God, that ark underneath that tent was surrounded with praise and worship. We will never come into this place and just passively allow our flesh to command us to sit down and wait on something to be through. We will worship to the very last note is played. We will sing songs that don't fit on screens. We will draw near to the God of our salvation. And we will give him the glory due his name. If you're with me, throw your hands up and seal it right now. Just seal it with worship. Seal this moment with worship. Seal this declaration today with worship. Come on. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. I ain't never done church like this before. It's a new, it's a new day. It's a new day. It's, if you'll let him, he'll train you. He's training you. He's training me. We are being trained to reign. Trained to reign. R-E-I-G-H-N. We are being trained to reign. We, we are not just passive. We, we are engaging. We, we are shifting atmospheres. We, we don't just wait on God to move. That's not scriptural. God did not say wait on me to move. He said you draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Hunger attracts the presence of the Lord. Worship attracts the presence of the Lord. We want you, God. If you're in this room and you're away from God and you want God to rescue you and save you right now, I don't want anyone to die and not be ready to meet the Lord. He'll save you. I don't care what you've done and how long you've been doing it, how screwed up you are and what you're hooked on and what you're addicted to. It doesn't matter. If you want Jesus to save you, he will. If I'm talking to you and you need to give your heart to Christ, you've, ever, you've either never known him or you've known him many years ago and you've walked a million miles away, but you want to come back home to him today. When I say three, lift your hand if you want to give your life to Christ. One, two, three. Lift your hand. God bless you, family. God bless you. God bless you, young man. I see your hand. God bless you back there. I see your hand. God bless you. I see your hand. Everybody put your hand down. Everybody put your hand down. Well, a praising church, nobody gets saved. Oh, shut up. Yes, they do. They get saved every Sunday. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Praise doesn't run the Spirit of God off. It pulls the Holy Spirit in. Come on. I want you to look at your neighbor. I want you to look at your neighbor and ask him this question. Say, do you need someone to go to the altar and pray with you? And if you lifted your hand because you need Jesus to save you or you should have lifted your hand, when your neighbor asks you that, I don't care if you've ever met them or you've known them all your life, just ask your neighbor, do you need someone to go pray with you? And if you lifted your hand, come stand, come out, I'm gonna work, I'm gonna wait right here on you. I want you to come give your life to Christ. Come on, sweetheart. Come on, baby. Come on, they're coming from the back. They're coming down the middle. 
Come on, I'm coming to give my life to Christ. Come on. God bless you, sweetie. Come on, don't wait. Come on, sir. Come on, sweet. Come on, sweetheart. Come on. Oh, somebody give God praise in the church. They're still coming. Keep on praising. I said they're still coming. Keep on praising. They're still coming. Keep on praising. Hallelujah. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight and now Come on, at the cross, sing at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart Don't forget to get back at 6 p.m. tonight for burn night. I love you. Go in the peace of the Lord as they continue to pray. May the Lord bless you. Friend, I believe God is a miracle-working God, and the greatest miracle that God could ever work in your life is the gift of salvation. And I believe today somebody's watching me who says, Pastor Kevin, would you pray for me? I want to give my life to God. I want to serve the Lord. I want Jesus to save me. Let's pray this prayer together today. Mean it in your heart. Say, Dear God, I repent of my sins. I turn to you today, Lord Jesus, believing that you're the Son of God, and that you died for my sins. Forgive me, Lord Jesus. Come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Listen, friend, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to go to kevinwallace.tv, and I just want you to drop us a prayer request and let us know that you gave your heart to Christ. Our team wanna pray for you. We wanna make sure that you're in a good, loving, Bible-believing church wherever you're from, and that you continue to grow in your walk with Jesus Christ best days of your life are still ahead of you and we're praying for you today. God bless. I look forward to seeing you next week right here.